happy mental health awareness month if you're not aware may is mental health awareness month it's an entire month dedicated to raising awareness for mental health and working towards ending the stigma of mental illness so i'm really excited um if this is your first time listening welcome my name is Paige boner yes that's really my last name and i started this podcast about two and a half years ago and it's been just the most amazing journey um i am not a licensed professional i just sit in my house and talk to people and want to raise awareness and have difficult conversations that are relatable and lighthearted so that people feel less alone in what they're going through so welcome to the show I hope that you enjoy it. For this month, I am doing a mental health awareness month series. So each Monday is going to be a solo dedicated to a different topic. A lot of them are inspired by topics that you all submitted in Instagram. And I'm excited to, to talk about it and to start raising awareness for a cause that is incredibly dear to my heart. And today's episode... I am happy to announce that as of today, I am one year sober and I just can't believe it. And I've been thinking about recording this episode and I've been like crying on and off because I'm really um, grateful. And this past year has been more amazing than I could ever imagine. And as I reflected on it, I realized all the things that I did and all the things I've accomplished and all the things I've overcome while taking in my first year being sober and it's it's just amazing. So that's not to say that every second has been perfect. I was texting with one of my friends who's also sober and we did an episode together, Chelsea Larson. So go check that out if you haven't yet. That was last year. Um, but she and I were texting about how yeah, we want to talk about how it's amazing and everyone should become sober. But at the end of the day, there are hard days and there's hard moments, especially when you're in your 20s and just the different conversations that arise when you're constantly telling somebody that you're sober um, and people just don't really get it all the time. So I want to just talk about today how being sober has impacted my mental health And the reason I say impacted and not helped is because there's so many layers to sobriety. It's, it brings up so much. And I just want to talk about the different sections of this past year and the different parts of sobriety that have, you know, brought up challenges and have brought up beautiful parts and just the amazingness of sobriety and also the, the challenges when you're in your twenties or really whenever you're sober, it's in, we're in such a drinking culture in the U S that sobriety can be really challenging. So I am excited to kick off mental health awareness month with this episode a, because today is my sober anniversary. So it's a big deal. I also think that drinking, consuming addiction, whatever it is that our society struggles with is a huge part of the mental health epidemic. Obviously the addiction epidemic is a huge issue in our country and beyond. And we're just a a country that's obsessed with drinking and it's really difficult to step outside in that regard. Um, And it's way more common that people struggle with mental health 
and drink and just the the rolling you know issues that that causes is is really scary so I want to preface by saying that none of this episode is meant to or none of what I say is meant to convince you to become sober I if you ask anyone who's close to me I am in support of anyone and decisions that they want to make. Obviously, if you're endangering yourself and over consuming, I, I'm not going to support that. I probably wouldn't be around somebody like that. But all almost all my friends drink, um, my partner drinks and my family, other than my dad, they drink. So it's not abnormal around to be around it for me. And I'm not here to say like sobriety is the only way. I just want to have these conversations so that I can raise awareness for the things that happen when you're drinking or if you're somebody who has trauma, PTSD like I do, which I'll jump into, just things to be aware of um, and maybe even just consuming in a more mindful way instead of, you know, overconsumption and blacking out all the time. Those are things that I disagree with a little bit. So I want to preface it with I support anyone in any decision. I'm guessing if you're listening to this episode, you're at least open to the idea of sobriety. Maybe you're sober curious. You just want to learn more about it um, or you just want to know my story. So I'm guessing there's no judgment here and I hope there isn't. But I just wanted to, you know, preface that with, you know, this is a judgment free zone. However, I want to talk about these things that I've experienced in hopes that it helps someone else out there. So welcome. (laughs) I spent time today. I just planted my garden yesterday. It's a beautiful day in Utah. It's sunny. I I went down and I sat by my garden with my cup of coffee and I just journaled. I read my journal from the day that I got sober and I just, my mind is blown. I mean, I just remember being in that spot. Um, Today was like the day before my last drink ever a year ago. And I remember just feeling so depressed and so lost and I had no boundaries. I had no reason or way of understanding who I was. And this past year has just been absolutely mind blowing. So here I am a year later. Um, And I want to just share with you things that I've learned, things I've experienced, and how it's really impacted not only my mental health, but who I am today. So I'm going to try not to cry. Um, So where I wanted to start was people always ask me why I'm sober or why I don't drink. And the reason this comes up a lot is because, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're meeting new people all the time. You're experiencing new things. A lot of times what you experience is going out to bars. It's, you know, going out in social drinking situations. Alcohol is a very big center of everything. And I've been meeting a lot of new people in the last few years. Obviously we moved to a new state. So we met a lot of new people and have brand new relationships out here in Utah. And, it's been really interesting. It's almost like a, a social experiment. And honestly, two things in my life feel like a social experiment. One, I, I'm i engaged, but I have a gold band instead of a diamond on my finger. This is a whole nother conversation that I'd love to get into. But watching people, when I say I'm engaged or I'm getting married or I have a fiance, look at my finger immediately and not react because I don't have a giant diamond on my hand is the most interesting thing I've ever experienced. 
So if anyone wants to know about that, I'm more than happy to talk about it. But it is such a social experiment that I non-intentionally am a part of. I just didn't want a big ring, nor can we afford it. Second thing that my life is such a social experiment is that I'm 24 and I'm sober. Um, I think it's becoming more and more common. I know a lot of people in my community don't drink, so I'm not saying I'm the only person. I just know that within this realm in my age group, it's it's more it's less common than not to drink to not drink. I don't know if that sentence made sense, but hopefully you understand what I was saying. So I when I first got sober, got asked a lot, you know, oh, you know, did you have a problem with alcohol? what happened, you know, like people are waiting for this big story of why I don't drink when I'm 24. Then I moved to Utah, which if you're not familiar, Utah is very much like a, it's a dry-ish state. So actually let's, let's kibosh some, some assumptions here. So there are a lot of parts of Utah where I don't even know if you can buy alcohol. I'm not sure. I don't live in that part of Utah. I live in Salt Lake City, which is, you know, a city. So there are bars, there is drinking, there are breweries, like you can buy alcohol, you can drink, you can get drunk if you want. It's because of the religious history here um, with the LDS church that drinking is not a part of their culture. So being that the state was kind of born upon people within that church. Alcohol was not a significant part of the culture here at all for many years. Now it's growing a lot and there's a lot of people moving here from other states. Obviously exhibit A, a lot of other people I've met have moved from other states. And of course there are people who do drink. So if anyone thinks that you moved to Utah and you just never drink and you can't buy any alcohol, it's actually not true. Um, you can buy alcohol. It's a little more expensive. It is a little harder to get their state liquor stores rather than just like regular liquor stores. However, in Minnesota, you cannot buy any sort of alcohol, beer, wine, nothing in a grocery store. Um, it has to be like an, a detached building, right? You can actually buy beer in, um, Utah, like grocery stores, targets, things. So it's kind of funny how those things work. Uh, it just has to be less than 5%. So that's the only thing that's different, but we have breweries, breweries are open on Sundays, alcohol, like there are people here who consume. So if anyone thinks that, you know, we moved here and we're like, don't drink, it's not true. But it was interesting as a sober person to move to this state because most of the times if you tell people, yes, you know, when I meet you, okay, you want to you know, go for a drink or do you want a shot? No, I don't drink. There is assumptions based on, you know, your religion and, and what you have chosen to do and why. So then there has to be, at least I've felt like there has to be this quick explanation of it's not for the reason that you think it is. It's because I, I chose myself to not drink. I used to drink, you know, like you have to clarify a little bit more than maybe you do in like Minnesota. Whereas in Minnesota, the first thing that went to everyone's brain was something bad happened. You know, I got a DUI. I had alcoholism. I had all these different things or have alcoholism, I should say. And so it was never just this fully like, okay, sounds good. Moving on. And I get that. It's a weird thing, right? And your immediate reaction goes to, oh, why, right? And I totally understand that. So what I say and what's true of the reason that I don't drink just for people out there who might be wondering is I had always kind of never enjoyed drinking. Um, I was, I'd never blacked out. I was never the one to 
get super wasted all the time. I had a couple bad nights, you know, different things like that. But I would always throw up or fall asleep before I could even black out. Like my body just rejected it. It never really fully liked it. I would get terrible anxiety. Like I would never want to be hungover. So I would have to stop drinking by 11 o'clock and start chugging water. I was known as the girl in college who had like a pitcher of water at the bar, just constantly had cups and cups and cups of water. So I never really drank a lot. It wasn't a huge part of, of my life. Um, I was in a relationship in college, which I've talked about on here before, where drinking was a huge part of that relationship. That was probably the most I ever drank in my life. Um, it was a lot of drinking because it was just something that I was surrounded by all the time. So, and a lot of times to get through some of the stuff I was going through, I had to drink so that I would just like block it out or not think it was a big deal. So, that was a lot of drinking. So then after that relationship ended, you know, drinking became kind of this thing that caused a lot of anxiety. My dad also struggles with, you know, alcohol and has had issues in the past. He has been sober for, I believe, like eight to 10 years. I, I always forget. I think we're getting close to 10 years now. Um, and because I was 15 when he got sober. So we're getting close. I think we're at like nine years or so. And he has, you know, we had a lot of stuff happen in our childhood around alcohol and trauma that I experienced. So most of my trauma and things that I have experienced are centered around alcohol. And so if you imagine the second that I put alcohol in my body, I have a trauma response and I cannot, you know, comprehend or know where I am really. It's just kind of, I think I'm back in these places that have hurt me in the past. So the reason I stopped drinking as I started to develop thoughts around it, eventually I realized the reason I stopped drinking was because my body was keeping score. It could not differentiate the difference between you're back in this place being, you know, abused in different ways by whether that's, you know, my childhood trauma or my relationship trauma in college. It didn't know. So alcohol entered my body, anxiety, PTSD, trauma, like all the worst things would happen. So I would always have racing heart. I would always get really bad hangovers. I would always be on really high alert. I would be really scared all the time. I would, you know, think the worst things were going to happen. Um, and then the next day I would struggle with depression and suicidal ideation and different aspects of my mental illness that would just arise. So I would end up in bed all day. I would be incredibly depressed. I would say I'm never drinking again. And we all know how that goes. I would be so hungover after like two drinks. So I realized after a night out with friends and having a really bad day and then having incredible, which I'll dive into this more incredibly bad suicidal ideation the next day that drinking was not for me anymore. And so when I tell people why I got sober, I say I had things happen to me in the past. I have a lot of anxiety when I drink. And honestly, I'm way more fun when I don't drink. And people are like, great. And then they move on. So yes, I have to explain it a lot, which is frustrating. But at the same time, I understand because people are curious. It's honestly our societal norm to drink which sucks, but I don't see that changing right now. So I just kind of have to deal and, and let people be curious. Obviously if people are rude. It's like, Hey, you know, not appropriate or whatever, but nonetheless, 
I just stand true to who I am and, and I continue to share that. And that's how I've really, you know, developed that confidence to share with people why I don't drink. So the day I got sober, I was reading back on my journal about the day I got sober and it was a whirlwind. I've shared about it on here before, but I think it's really important to share what happened. So it was, of course, tomorrow. I'm recording this on Saturday. So last year, tomorrow, whatever, I was out with some some friends. Um, we were having, you know, kind of a reunion of sorts. It was kind of post-COVID. COVID was kind of calming down. Um, we were trying to go out. There was just a lot happening. So I ended up, you know, I was drinking. There was, you know, people there that were kind of giving me anxiety. I started to pick a fight with Jack over the phone. I got really mad at him, started this big fight. I ended up having to go home so that I could calm down because I was going to have a panic attack. And then I went back out, ended up going to the Timberwolves game which if you're listening to this now, you're a Timberwolves fan. I'm so sorry. It was so sad that they lost. Anyways, um, I went to the Timberwolves game with Jack. You know, we worked it out, whatever. Proceeded to go out that night, you know, continue to drink. It was just, I don't even hardly remember anything. I just know I was having like no fun, zero fun whatsoever. And I look back on like photos of myself from then and I'm like, wow, I just look like a different person. I was way less healthy. I didn't feel good. I was depressed. I was all these things. And I remember waking up the next day and just being incredibly terrified. Like I was so depressed. Everything in my body felt just awful. I felt awful emotionally. Um, and it was the first time I ever had a severe situation of like suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts. I was actually genuinely scared of myself in that moment. And I went up, I had gone downstairs to like say goodbye. One of my friends was in town and she was, she was leaving town. I said goodbye to her. I came back upstairs and I just started bawling and I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't control myself. I was just a mess. And my friends came upstairs, you know, they called my mom, they called Jack. I was like, I can't drive home. I'm genuinely scared to drive home. And I shared all these thoughts of just like feelings I had and and things that were going through my brain. And in my brain, I thought to myself, if I drive home, I'm going to die. Like I'm going to do something to myself because this pain is so unbearable within me that I don't want to be here anymore. And I don't want to survive another day or try to survive another day of this pain. And that was the scariest moment. I call it a mental health scare because I believe that our mental illness, our mental health can scare the shit out of us where we feel as if we have zero control over anything that we do and it can literally scare the living hell out of us. And that's what that moment did to me. I was terrified and I eventually got home safely Um, I was at like a friend's house and I I got home to my parents' house and I just rested and I talked to my parents and I literally wrote, this is, I wrote all this down in my journal and I wrote in my journal. Also, I am done drinking (laughs) and I was like, wow, okay, I'm done drinking. And I also wrote in there, I commit to not drinking for the month of May I will set boundaries. I will do all this stuff. So it started with me just saying the month of May, I'm not going to drink and see how I feel. And 
it ended up obviously becoming more than that, but it was the most, you know, amazing moment. I had been thinking about becoming sober. I would say I'd been sober curious for a long time. Um, and I just decided that that was, that was my time. And everyone in my life was so excited for me. My dad was obviously over the moon. He finally had a sober buddy, which he was pumped about. Um, but my whole family, like my mom had been telling me for years, she's like, honey, I think you're allergic to alcohol. Like literally alcohol doesn't work in your body. Like you just need to stop. And so everyone was, was really supportive, was really happy for me and excited. So I'm really grateful that I had that support around me um, because otherwise I think being sober would be really hard when you're my age. I think, it, you know, a lot of times there is familial pressure. People's families are big drinkers and they're like, well, why would you do that? You know, whatever, all this stuff. And so to be able to have that support was was really great from my partner, from his family, from everybody. So that was the day I got sober. I haven't drank since. Um, and it was amazing. And I would recommend to anyone who's sober curious, which I'll dive into to more about that, but just try those 30 days, you know, journal every day. I journaled every day for five minutes and looking back on all the different feelings I had, the awareness, my intuition was so high. My health got better and better and better. Like I just lost a lot of, not that this matters, but it did lose a lot of like water weight and swelling. Like my skin got so much clearer. My body just felt so much better. I'm, my exercises are paying off when I only do a small amount. Like I'm just way healthier. So I'm, I'm just really grateful for that. Um, that kind of rolls into the first year of sobriety as a 20 something and what that looks like. And I know that this is something that a lot of people fear. I've gotten a lot of messages about how do you handle social situations when you're sober in your 20s? Again, I had another episode with Molly Britt. Um, she She's a sober 20 something is her Instagram. And she also did an episode with me and it's so good. So there's a lot of sobriety. Alex Zahner on here, sober. My episode from a couple of weeks ago, Christina Kimbrough, sober. So if you're really wanting to dive into the sobriety world, I have a ton of things um, for you to, to consume. And then I don't know if any of you follow uh, Vanessa. Vanessa Persephone is her Instagram name, and she also has a podcast called Angels Anonymous. She's also sober. She was um, struggling with weed as well. So just things like that that maybe people don't think are addictive but are, um, and we're going to have her on the show soon too. So there's a lot of resources out there for for sobriety and different sober people. Um, but being in your 20s, it's really hard to get sober. Moving to a new state, hard to be sober. Getting married, hard to get sober. Going to you know, bridal situations, bridal parties, you know, bachelorette parties, things like that. I've gotten questions about that. Really hard to be sober. So something that I've learned through this past year is like, I have had to feel literally every emotion so incredibly intensely. Last Friday was the first time I ever wanted to pick up a drink since I got sober. And that might be shocking. Um, I mean, there's been times where I'm like, oh, God, that, that glass of wine looks good or, you know, whatever, which I'm not I'm not too shameful about that. It's, you know, again, I who knows? I might, you know, drink wine later in my life again. I don't really want to, but who knows if I will. But for the most part, I just have been pretty uninterested in drinking because I know how it makes me feel. But last Friday, I had come off this really difficult situation at work. Um... 
I was also celebrating something with work. There was just a lot of changes in like two days and it was a lot to handle emotionally for me. And I was hiding a lot or like I was trying to keep things to myself and it was just like a lot of things were going on in my brain. And so I got the day was over and we had gone out um, as a team and and I thought to myself, God, I really want to drink right now. Like that would really help with this kind of emotional hangover that I'm having. Also, this like excitement I'm having for this upcoming, you know, thing that I'm experiencing, whatever. So there was a lot of feelings going on and I wanted to drink. And I just had to remind myself, like, why are you doing this? You know, like, what is the reason? And also, why don't you sit and sit with your feelings? And I feel like everyone always says, like, sit with your feelings. It's like, what does that mean? Well, when you're drinking, it's really hard to sit with your feelings because you go and you have a feeling and then you drink. And when you're not drinking, it's really easy to sit with your feelings because you go home, you sit, you don't listen to anything, you journal, you feel, you think, like you just sit with it and you cry, whatever you need to do. And that's exactly what I did. I went home, I watched the Kardashians and then I turned them off and then I just cried and I journaled and I prayed and I did all these things and I just really got into my emotions. And a year ago, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just been like, I need a beer immediately. I need a glass of wine now. Like I was having glasses of wine like every night to deal with the stress of my job and my life and everything that I felt like was challenging. So I wasn't dealing with things. I probably wasn't even enjoying things that much because I was dealing with all of my issues through alcohol. So now I'm, I'm, I was kind of wondering like this past few months, I'm like, why am I'm so happy in my role? I'm really content with this. I'm content with that. Things are going well. Like what are these feelings coming from? And I realized that probably a lot of it is because I've actually been present. I've been feeling everything. I've been competent and awake and there for every moment of my life. And so it's easier to enjoy life or to work through things when you're actually in the moment. Um, I think that the biggest thing is, you know, just being mindful of if you do use alcohol, are you using it to suppress? Do you feel stressed and you grab for a drink? Do you feel sad and you grab for a drink? You go out to drink for the reason of blacking out and suppressing emotions because it's easier to do that. It is so easy to just be like, I'm just going to forget about everything. But in the long run, it doesn't benefit you. It causes more depression, anxiety issues in your life, and it just snowballs over time. I've seen it right in front of my eyes. I've seen two important men in my life suppress their emotions with alcohol and have its snowball effect. One luckily saved themselves. One, things changed a lot in their life, and a lot of mistakes were made, and a lot of messed up stuff happened. And I'm guessing that person either regrets it or doesn't. I don't know how they feel. But from my perspective, a lot of things went wrong. So I think it's just really important to be mindful of how you're using alcohol. And if you're using it to suppress your emotions, really need to rethink that because it's important that you allow your brain to go through every emotion instead of trying to jump over every emotion. So that being said, you know, the highs are high and the lows are really low. Like when it's hard, it's really hard because you can't have, you know, a thing that kind of fixes you. You have to really feel, feel, feel. So the lows will feel low. Like my depression spells have felt low and um, my excitements have been really high because I'm not putting a, a, 
downer in my body to kind of calm myself. Um, social situations, that's been a really hard part. I get asked about this a lot. Um, when I go with social situations, there's a few things. One, I just am, have been really good about setting boundaries. So having my friends, people close to me know like, Hey, I probably won't stay out past 11. Like there's just a point that I'll reach where I'm tired of it. And they've been really respectful. If people in your life aren't respectful of that, if you are sober, sober, curious, like they're not the right people for you. But, you know, setting clear boundaries, clear expectations has been essential for me. And being okay with going home at 11, it's really easy to fall into this shame cycle. And I'm so guilty of it of, God, I'm not cool enough. Like I'm not, I'm not a young 20 something. I'm not doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not fun. I'm not this. I'm not that. And it's just like, instead of focusing on what I'm not, I'm trying to focus on what I am. And I'm present. I am well you know, fed, I'm well slept, like I'm well rested. I am all these things and I'm still having a blast and I remember it and I wake up the next morning and I feel great and I have a great cup of coffee and great food and I'm awesome. I'm never regretful when I wake up in the morning and I'm not hungover. So I have just been able to really set boundaries in that space. And if there are nights where I want to stay out late, I will. And I have, but sometimes I don't want to, most of the time I don't want to. And so being okay with that has been a big thing and that struggle of feeling like you're cool or not cool, but knowing that the people who love you the most don't care how late you stay out, how much you drink, like those are all surface level things that people care about. The people who are always pressuring you to say, well, come on, man, like drink more, drink more. You're so lame. Like if they, if their fun is dependent on whether or not you're wasted, that's a them issue. That is not a you issue because your fun is not dependent on whether or not they are sober. I would hope, you know, like just let people do their thing. That's been also my biggest lesson is let people live, just let people vibe. And if you get sick of drunk people, which I get sick of drunk people really quickly, just go home, separate yourself from the situation. You are only in control of your life and what you can control. So if things are making you anxious, unhappy, whatever, remove yourself. Those people who are pressuring you, it has nothing to do with you. Just always remember that. It has everything to do with themselves and their own insecurities and their own issues. So being able to separate yourself from that situation has been really helpful for me. Um, and my big thing, you know, or something I've been asked about lately, I should jump to this one. Something I've been asked about lately a lot is bridal stuff. So for those of you who don't know, I am engaged. I'm getting married in September. Um, I'm a month away from my uh, bachelorette party whoop, whoop, and like my shower and all this stuff. And a couple things I've been asked. A, I've been asked before, like, how do you go to a bachelorette party when you're going to be like the only one not drinking? Also, I've been asked before, you know, how do you have those conversations if I'm sober, things like that. Um, then if you're the bride, I've thought a lot about like being the bride and what does this look like and how does this change? So first, you know, if you're attending bachelorette parties or weddings or things like that and you don't drink, um, specifically with bachelorette parties, if it's a smaller group or even a bigger group, um, a, I feel like there's always a pregnant bridesmaid. So just befriend the pregnant bridesmaid. <laughs> like, I feel like every wedding has a pregnant bridesmaid. My sister was one once. So like, I think it's fairly normal. Like just have that be your friend and follow them and whatever they do. Cause odds are the pregnant woman is going to a be driving people around, which you can also do that if you want, or you don't have to, if you don't want to. 
and they're probably going to go to bed pretty early. So just follow their lead if that's the case. And they have the best excuse. But also at the same time, you don't have to be pregnant to not drink, right? So I would say like I've told someone who's asked me this before, like maybe just text the bride. Obviously, they're your friend. So just send them a message or have a phone call with them and be like, just a reminder, like I'm sober. I'm sure they already know that or, you know, you've had conversations in the past, but just have that conversation of I'm sober and I won't be drinking. And I just want you to know that if I go to bed at 11, it doesn't mean I love you any less or, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be drinking caffeine or whatever, you know, gets you excited. I'm going to be having fun mocktails. Like, if there's just options there for me, like that would make me really happy or, you know, here's kind of the thing. And I just want you to know that if I do these things that you'll have my back and that it's okay if I go to bed at 11. If the person loves you, likely they're going to be like, of course, like I would want, I wouldn't want it any other way, you know, or they've already addressed that. Like, Hey, I know you're sober. I know this is going to be like a totally different experience. So I've got your back. Or maybe you befriend or like have one friend in the bridal party who can kind of be your liaison. I know when I go out with my friends, um, you know, we had a big weekend in Chicago a few weeks ago and my one friend, you know, she doesn't drink a lot. Uh, depends on the situation, but she is so good at checking in on me. And when everyone around me is drinking, she just is like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, like how, how are you? You know, gets a feel. And I feel like I can be so honest with her and be like, I just feel like I'm so lame. Like she just will bring me off of my ledge. And so hopefully you have someone there who you can trust and confide in, and they can kind of bring you back to reality as well. Or phone a friend, you know, give a call to someone, send a message, whatever, to kind of get you off your high horse. Cause obviously that weekend is about that other person. So the most, you know, attention you can draw away from yourself, the better. And hopefully everyone is focusing on that person instead. Also, I think it's valuable to say like, if it's a four day bachelorette and you don't think you could survive that long, it's also okay to like only go a couple days or to, you know, cut your trip short or to, without being dramatic, just be like, Hey, I'm just going to stay for these two days and then I'm going to head home. Like, you know, whatever, like just do you and everyone around you is going to respect it. As the bride, something I've learned is I'm so lucky. Like my family is, again, super supportive. And with my bachelorette party, I said from the beginning, hey, this is not going to be a booze fest. Like we're not going to provide alcohol. If people want to drink. I don't care. But like I don't drink. So I don't really want to go to a bar because like the thing is you go to a bar, people buy you drinks. It's just like, why would I enjoy that? So I just set an expectation with my sister and my best friend from high school who are kind of running this and my mom um, that like I want it to be a weekend that I enjoy. You know, I want to do yoga. I want to work out. I want to go on the water. I want to, you know, be, I don't know, do a spa day or like something. I want to do something that's like rejuvenating and fun and I want to have conversations with people and I want to be like intentional with that time. I don't want to be drunk. Obviously, I don't drink and I don't want all my friends to be wasted the whole weekend either. I would love if like, you know, if they want to drink a little bit, that's fine, but I don't want it to be like shots and and all that stuff. So I set that expectation. My friends know coming into my bachelorette party that that's going to be the case. Our wedding is a little different. I mean, a lot of people come into our wedding drinks. So and my obviously my fiance drinks. And so uh, there's going to be, you know, lots of alcohol. And I'm totally fine with that. I just had an expectation with my fiance. Like, hey, is it OK if you don't drink or don't drink a lot on our wedding day? And he was like, of course. So 
I think, you know, if you're the bride and your partner drinks, like making sure that those expectations are communicated and the wishes that you have are always communicated. And I know I'm turning this into like a preaching moment and I'm not meaning to, but like that's what I'm doing to really help my mental health throughout my total, my whole bridal processes. I don't want Jack to be drunk, you know, throughout our experience and I don't think he wants to be anyways, but that's been a big thing with me is like just making sure that everything is to the standard that I would expect it to be. And I'm able to have that standard and knowing that like no one's going to know unless I say something. So I got to just say it and say what I want. Um, so, yeah, I just think that overall, like having people around you that support you and have me having people that support me has been the most amazing part of my sobriety journey is just being able to say to people, you know, here's my standard. I don't drink and just allowing that to be part of it. One of the other hard things about being sober in your 20s is people just assume everyone drinks. So you'll go out and people will be like, well, what do you want to drink? Or here's a shot. They just hand it to you. Just don't even ask. They hand it to you. Um, or, you know, they ask you like seven times if you want a glass of wine and you say, no, thank you. No, thank you. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And then eventually you just have to be like, I don't drink. <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of assumption that everyone drinks and that if they say no, they're just being polite or they're just, and it's like, no, I just, I don't drink or I don't want to. And if I just didn't want to tonight, that would be okay too. Um, and so just again, like I have found that staying, staying true to myself and feeling okay to, if I want to share why I don't drink, I will. If I feel like I don't want to share why I don't drink, I won't like, I will do whatever is best for me and whatever I'm comfortable with. And again, it's a reflection of someone else that they're assuming that you would drink. And it's a reflection of our society. Ultimately, it's no one's fault. They're not doing it to intentionally hurt you necessarily. It's just that our society puts so much on alcohol um, that, yeah, it's it's really challenging. And I always get the like, oh, good for you. And then people feel this need to be like, oh, I don't drink a lot. And I'm like, I don't care if you drink. I really don't. I just chose not to. Um, so now I kind of want to shift into if you are sober, curious, like what has helped me. If you are sober, newly sober, please reach out to me. A, like I want to hear about this. And I've, I've talked to so many wonderful people in the last you know year about sobriety and I want to continue those conversations. So please reach out to me. But I want to give you a list of some things that really helped me in my journey. Um, so when I first got sober, I actually joined a group. Um, I knew that Alexandra McDowell, or Alexandra, sorry, she used to be Alexandra McDowell. Alexandra Zahner um, was sober and she had a wonderful group of people with Chelsea Larson and all these other people. So I did join a group for a little while and I still love all those people. I just didn't have enough time to continue it and they meet in person in Minnesota. So when I moved, I am not a part, but I can connect you with that group if that's something you're interested in. It was amazing. We would meet over Zoom and just like talk about being sober for like a half an hour to an hour and it was amazing no expectations Alex always did a great job of like prepping it and having topics and things of that nature we would read books I read quit like a woman which is such a good book if you are curious at all I mean the first chapter will be like yep I'm done like I get it I'm good um like I'm ready to be sober so I can connect you with that group if you want to reach out to me. I've connected a few people in the past. Um, I follow people on social media that are like me. So again, Alex, you know, Zoner, Vanessa Persephone, and Angels Anonymous. Um, 
There's a like Jenna Dulio is a really good one. There's a lot of people that I follow on Instagram that are part of the sober community and just seeing all of their content really inspires me and shows me like, oh yeah, I get it. Like I'm, I'm not alone. Um, so I would, I would recommend that. Um, being non-judgmental of those who drink, this is a huge one. I think sometimes I know that people assume if you don't drink that you're like, I don't want to be around people who who don't who drink which if you don't want to be or if you really like can't be around alcohol that's a whole nother thing um but that's again like that's a you like you have to own that and know that that's part of your recovery journey and that people who do drink are not the devil um so it's just like not being judgmental of those who drink is my biggest recommendation if you want to continue to have that mutual respect Everyone in my life has been so respectful of the fact that I don't drink because I don't sit there and judge them while they drink. That's probably a big reason why is that I expect respect from them, but I have to also give them respect as well. So really work on that. You know, if there's internal judgment or if there's, you know, external judgment, if you're making someone feel uncomfortable, they're probably not going to want to hang out with you anymore. So just be aware of that. Um... I just do my own thing and I'm confident about my decision. So if I want to go home, if I want to do a hike, if I want to say no, if I want to set a boundary, I just do my own thing. I make myself happy. I'm in charge of my happiness. No one else is. And that's been amazing. Making mocktails. Everyone make mocktails. They have so many amazing, also just non-alcoholic options now. Again, I know that sometimes people who the taste of alcohol is disgusting to them or is triggering or whatever, I get that. But I, there's this, we literally have a beer bar. It's called beer bar in Salt Lake city and they have like all different kinds of beers. They have a non-alcoholic IPA that I'm obsessed with. So I feel like I'm a part of the, the, you know, thing I go out to happy hour with my coworkers and I have a beer and it looks like a beer. It's just that it has no alcohol in it. Um, and it tastes like a beer. It's just a lot easier to get down and I have no hangover. So love that. The first time Jack got it for me, I literally thought it was a real beer. It was terrifying. So make mocktails. I do sparkling water, kombucha. They have like non-alcoholic spirits nowadays, which I'm not super interested in because I just hate vodka and like that stuff. I might do that with like a tequila for a margarita maybe, but they have that. They have non-alcoholic champagne for wedding stuff. Like just do you like go and drink fun stuff. Like there's no saying that you can't have a, a sparkling water in a wine glass. I do it all the time. So make not drinking attractive, fun and fancy in whatever way you want to. Um, so that's, those have been some really big things. And again, I'm more than happy to talk to people about it. If you want to set up time with me and chat about sobriety, I'm I'm really open. Um, and, and kind of wrap that part up, you know, if you are sober curious, I encourage you try it for one month. Don't say like, I'm never drinking again. Just commit to one month and just see how it goes. Journal every single day and see how you feel. Um, you know, make fun mocktails, join a sober group, surround yourself with people that are like you do things that you like to do, get back to like your enjoyment. Like what did you enjoy to do when you were a kid? What's play to you? Like just really spend 30 days enjoying your life in different ways and spend your Saturdays a different way and just see what it looks like. Don't go out every Saturday and or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you know, be around drunk people all the time because that's going to be really challenging. Like try new things and just see how you feel. No commitment. Um, And also my friend today said to me, like, I would be proud of you if you were one day sober or one year sober. Like, it doesn't matter how long. It just matters that you are trying to better yourself if that's what that looks like for you. And that really resonated with me. Um, So, yeah, again, if you're sober curious, please, please reach out. 
Um, and finally, just to like put a bow on all this, and I hope this was like helpful or insightful. Um, this past year, I think that there's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't sober. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I am going to get emotional and that's okay. Um, the first one is I don't, I don't know if I would be getting married. Um, alcohol and what I had gone through when I was in college with my previous relationship had put a lot of things in my head. It created a lot of stories, had made me believe a lot of things about love. And when I would drink, a lot of that stuff would come back and a lot of fighting and all this stuff that I thought was healthy or part of relationships would happen. And I don't think that I would have survived this relationship. I think I would have thought that I was not worthy at some point and made big mistakes. And having no alcohol in my system and being sober and living the sober life that I love has allowed me to realize that this is the love I deserve and that I am allowed to be in this space and that this relationship is going to thrive because I am intentional about it and I'm healthy in it. And it's allowed me to work through some trauma that has and still working through, but has really been in my life. And instead of suppressing a lot of those emotions, I'm, I'm hitting them head on. So I don't know that I would be getting married. I don't know that I'd be, you know, at this point where I feel comfortable doing that. Um, I don't think I'd be living in Utah. I think I would be too, you know, in my own head and in my own world. Again, I wouldn't be getting married. So I probably wouldn't be with Jack. I just think my life would have gone a different direction at that point if I wouldn't have made that decision. Um, I wouldn't be lifting weights right now. I've been lifting weights recently and I've been like getting really healthy and working on my body and having great body image lately, like feeling so good about myself while also enjoying like copious amounts of ice cream and like just being really good to whatever I want and working on intuitive eating and being intuitive in general. And I think a lot of that is because there's just no fog. Like there's so much clarity in my brain and my body is, is, is like reacting so much better to those, you know, that muscle building, that health. Um, it's just doing a really good job because it's, it's got such a clear toxin free body, you know, part to it, which on that note, toxin free, like get branch basics, like get clean supplies. I used, um, OxyClean for the first time ever since we switched over to like branch basics and all non-toxic like laundry detergent and everything and I literally got sick and lightheaded like I could not handle it so get all the toxins out of your body alcohol is poison like it's a literal poison so get that and and branch basics if this is your vibe if it's not it's okay but get all that out of your body it's so good for you and your body just reacts so much better um I wouldn't have met some of my best friends and left hurtful relationships that I experienced. I had no boundaries a year ago. Um, I have wonderful people in my life who are sober that I wouldn't have met probably unless I was sober and related to on such a deep level. Um, I wouldn't have these meaningful relationships in Utah who support me since day one and have never judged me for the fact that I don't drink and I've been nothing but like supportive and making mocktails for me and making me feel included all the time. So I am so grateful for that. Um, and finally, like I don't think it's hard would be where it is today. I don't think that I would have had the energy, the mental capacity the emotional capacity to do everything that I've done because 
I wouldn't believe the things I was saying. Like I feel like with my sobriety, I believe everything I say and I mean everything I say instead of like, here's the way I want to be. But I am not that way because I drink everything and I try to suppress all my emotions constantly. Like I am who I am and where I am with everything because I've taken my beliefs and I've implemented them and I have done what I want to do so far in my life and I have a clear vision of where I want to go and being sober is a huge part of that um so yeah I just I feel really grateful for all people who have supported me and um I really encourage you if this feels like the right path for you reach out to me it's it can feel really lonely at times and it can feel really isolating and overwhelming and just crazy in this world that we live in but I want you to know that it's okay and you're not alone and and if you want to try it you can try it you can fail you can trip you can relapse you can do anything like it's okay you just need to start if it feels like something your body is screaming at you to do which is what my body was doing my body said please do this please do this just try it and then I did and it changed my life forever so that is my sobriety journey. It's been a year. I can't believe it. I can't wait for another year and another year. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's all I got for you guys. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Please consider donating to NAMI this month. I have links in my bios and everything. I am trying to raise a thousand dollars for NAMI for my walk on May 21st. And I would just love if you would just donate $1, $2, um, whatever you feel called to donate. They are working to end the stigma for mental illness and we need all the support we can get. So, uh, this is a big month for NAMI. It's a big month for mental health. And I just hope that you decide to join us on, on this journey to end the stigma around mental health. So I love you guys so much. If you have any questions, comments, any thoughts you want to share, please reach out to me. It makes my world go round. It makes everything better when I hear from you all. So, um, please reach out to me and I love you so much. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next week.